Are you tired of the cookie cutter approach to education that's stuck in the last century? Are you seeking a win-win situation where your family thrives, your kid's education is revolutionary, and you still get to chase your own dreams? Welcome to Unschooled Unleashed. Unlock your child's genius. I'm your host, Matthew Jarecki, an unapologetic rebel dad and promoter of what many consider to be educational anarchy. You know the world isn't going to be won by those that just toe the line. It's the innovators, the visionaries, and the resilient spirits that are going to thrive. Our mission here is to forge those world changers within our very homes with less stress, energy, and time. Unschooled, Unleashed starts now. Welcome back to another fantastic episode of Unschooled Unleashed. I'm your host, Matthew Jarecki, and we are going to talk all about socialization today. In fact, this is called episode two or part two of the socialization toolkit. And it's all about hands-on practical strategies you can implement today if your child is home educated. And they work really well if your child's home educated and it gets way more difficult to do this stuff if you send your kid to school. Uh, (laughs) You just don't have the time if you send them to school to be able to do some of this stuff. So uh, if you haven't listened to the first part of the series, the first episode of the Socializations Toolkit, it's the episode right before this, listen to that first because that talks about the importance of socialization and it argues that home-educated children may actually have an advantage in socialization. So make sure you check that out because it's also going to talk a little bit about practical application and this episode is purely about practical application. So enjoy. All right, let's dive in to the first strategy to socialize your children when they're home educated. And that is extracurricular activities. Yes, you can do this at home as well. It can be through sports. That's the obvious one. You can enroll in sports to foster teamwork, leadership, and some cool shared experiences and that's certainly an option. You can also uh, do it through creative expressions. So it's not just sports, it's music, it's art, drama classes. And this encourages creativity and some mutual appreciation for some cool things that drive the human experience. We got my second oldest son in dance classes because he's coming up with his own dance classes to begin with. So for his birthday, we got him a package to try it out for a month where he gets out there and he learns a whole bunch of new dance moves and he's loving it. So we're definitely going to, if you would like, continue with that. They can actually do it competitively. He's not really interested in that right now, and I don't really care if he is. I just want him to dive into things that he loves and find people who are like-minded and build relationships with those those kids. I think that's pretty cool because that's the way the real world works. <laughs> it's not forced sitting in a class going, you will learn this, and everyone's trying to just get out of the work. Uh, we get our kids involved in like a chess club. Because uh, they were into chess for a while. That kind of trailed off because the chess club wasn't too great. It was an after-school program. And the teacher just stood at the front, talked about it, then linked them up with someone, said play chess, and no one took it too seriously. It's more of an after-school program just to watch your kid if you had to have some kind of child care where you couldn't pick up your kid right away. So a lot of the kids weren't really interested in chess. It was just the what they chose or their parents chose. You know, So our kids were... <laughs> Actually, I have a funny story about that. My oldest went to chess club. His first time, right? He's he's a little nervous. 
and he gets there and the teacher who was actually the first round was actually pretty decent from what he said and he said hey guys I'm you know mr. whatever and I want to know why you guys sign up for this chess club after school chess club my son raises his hand and says I won't want to learn how to play chess better <laughs> and I'm not even kidding the entire class broke out into laughter because he was interested in the actual activity boy oh boy that kind of killed me but it brought up some good conversations conversations like why would people be in a class that they have no interest in learning about you know he had no concept of that because he's not been in school uh, also peer pressure and conformity and all those things and I just made sure to support him and say you know the fact that you want to learn chess that's what separates you from everyone else in that class. You're going to be better than everyone else because you have a natural interest and you drive to learn and you're teachable, whereas they don't have that. So you're going to naturally be able to outpace them and you got an endless supply of energy being intrinsically motivated because of that. And he appreciated it, but he just didn't understand why people would laugh and that kind of hurt me a little bit. <sighs> Anyways, uh, basketball is another one we do. We do that every winter. Our kids are involved in, uh, it's actually aligns with our values too because it's through the church. Got a big church that puts on this thing called Upward Sports. And I, I, this might be a national thing and they just participate with it. But all the coaches, and I was a coach last year, uh, an assistant coach with much less responsibility for my second oldest son. And uh, you're really teaching the kids values of teamwork, working together. We're trying to distribute the ball not just going to the good player, we fo not just focus on winning, which we do track wins and losses, because that's a big deal to them. Trust me, they're keeping score either way. <laughs> but, because uh, when they're young enough, they don't really keep score. It's more about just getting out there and learning. Uh, but when, but trust me, they're keeping score. At least uh, most of them are. And uh, you teach them values, you teach them teamwork, how to work together, and they're also learning, uh, you know, how to play the game and a love for the game and just, I don't know, it's just a cool experience. So get him involved in basketball. Baseball is another one. We do that every summer. Both my sons are involved in that too. And uh, that's actually through the city that we do it. So our city puts on all, the, puts up together all these teams. You just got to sign your kid up and they actually keep most of the homeschoolers on the same team, which is kind of cool. Because then you're learning, meeting other homeschooling kids who have this more availability with their schedule throughout the school year. Uh, and you get to know the parents and you're all rooting together and the kids are learning and they got to practice with you and they practice together and they go to out for ice cream after the games maybe. All that stuff is important parts of socialization and extracurricular activities are an important part of that. Part of that. In the future, I'd like to get them involved in maybe like band uh, to learn a musical instrument. I only did that for one year and that was enough for me. Uh, Football, uh, when they're old enough, if you're into that stuff. Uh, and, and play, I mean, it doesn't stop there. Um, my daughter wants to take ballet. She's been begging us for that, so we're looking at that. She's only five. Um, gosh, and there's more. You can do, like, boating clubs and, uh, I mean, just off the top of my head, I mean, there's just all these little things you got. 
stuff that's done remotely uh, that you can be involved with and competitions and, uh, you know, summer camps that teach some kind of skill, all good stuff. Another practical strategy for socialization is trying to develop them in whatever way that you really want to try and stretch them. Again, with unschooling, we try and let them direct it, but we, with intentional unschooling, if you don't know what that is, go back to my episode on intentional unschooling. It's where we're uh, 10 out of 10 letting the child lead the way, but 10 out of 10 parental support to help them do that. And part of our responsibility as parents, I personally believe, is exposure to things that they might like or not like to try and help them learn about themselves. And you have more insight as the parent. And I believe that's part of our responsibility. So uh, socialization, building those practical skills, I think is important for us to think about it and try and encourage them to do that and point out the value along the way, saying, here's where this is valuable, you know, anywhere in life. Uh, And hopefully they take our advice. They put us in that guide role uh, and want to really dive into some of these things that might make them feel uncomfortable. Uh, but either way, we can prepare, help prepare them for those scenarios. I remember I, I, uh, there was a time when I was, I was pursuing medical school. And when I was pursuing medical school, I had to practice interviews, you know, for interviews for the upcoming interview I had to a medical school. And I got pretty good, I thought. You really have to work on this stuff. It's just another, I, I thought that it, was, it was a meta skill, like learning how to interview for something, not just as good for medical school. It's not just for good, good for jobs, but it's, it's good for any time you're evaluating something, right? Because I was evaluating them as much as they were evaluating me. So these practice scenarios I think are very helpful. So you could create practice practice scenarios to help them build these communication skills and social etiquette on a regular basis. In some of those uh, practice times, they don't even have to know they're practicing, right? We could do this at the dinner table and they can learn how to socially interact with people. Like we don't interrupt and we don't do this and we don't do that. We wait till someone's done talking. We say someone's name before we just start asking them a question or doing something like that. These These are good things to do. Conflict resolution is another great skill to work on. Uh, It can prepare them for real-world disagreements and misunderstandings for sure. We just had an example of that today where both my boys were outside. They were playing with the dog, little Tootsie, who's four months old, little wiener dog running around we just got. (laughs) And they were fighting over her, which created some issues. And what we do for conflict resolution is we just say, did you guys talk? And if they didn't talk, we ask them to talk. And usually they can work it out. And that works out really well a lot of times. When it doesn't work, we guide the conversation. And then we focus on the one thing that we always have to focus on, which is treating other people how we want to be treated. And once we are able to put the focus on that, they we don't even have to point out where they're right or wrong. They recognize it themselves. And that's the goal, is for them to be able to identify it on their own. That's helping them, preparing them to be 
a good functioning adult out there. And this is a social skill, right? Other practical scenarios that we do uh, practice is when we go out to eat, they, they order from the waiter or waitress. We treat them like little adults. They have to learn how to speak up. They have to get over their fear because if they want food, they want those chicken nuggets, you got to speak up. It's a big motivator. Um, we also, you also can run scenarios too. Uh, we haven't had to do that. That might be more for older kids, like preparing for that interview, that kind of thing. Uh, that was just something else I thought of. And then the, uh, the conflict resolution, I, I just suggest that you, I don't want to suggest anything, honestly, but <laughs> do what you think's best. I try not to get involved if I can help it because that creates dependency and I don't want to create dependency. Uh, moving on, there is an option for online socialization in 2023. Uh, 2020 really propelled us after COVID, everything went online and honestly, everything was already online. It's just, we didn't use it as much. Now we're using it as primary in a lot of cases. So there are online forums, group projects, that kind of stuff, virtual meetups to build uh, digital communication skills. And I think that's healthy. Uh, I don't think it's primary. I don't think this is what we should rely on because it's so easy. And I think this is, gosh, what we're going to be primarily relying on in the future, unfortunately. That's not the way I want to set them up for success because I love my child. I want to set them up for success in the future. I do think there's a component of this, so I'm going to teach it. Uh, again, you might have to go over and get the iPad out and put some restrictions on it because you don't want them getting into like weird stuff. I'll stop there about the weird stuff. But you're going to have to teach some online safety. And honestly, that's a good conversation to have. Uh, you're going to have concerns about their safety. Talk with them about that. Privacy, even digital etiquette. We don't want them to be just another negative voice on the internet. We don't need more of those. So, and, and honestly, we don't want them to indulge in this too much. And I say we... I think there's consensus that this isn't being online and doing it that way isn't the, uh, shouldn't be the primary way we communicate to, you know, to for, if we're looking for meaningful relationships. However, it does allow for some of that. I just say it with some hesitation because I just, I, I just don't rely on it. Uh, here, here's something, you know, thinking outside the box here with uh, online socialization. We don't really allow our kids to do any online socialization yet because they're so young outside of fantasy football. <laughs> my son, my oldest, he's nine, going on 10. Uh, and I had a couple uh, friends some family. We, we do fantasy football each year. My son's old enough to care. He's been paying attention to the Cleveland Browns and... Hey, let's jump into fantasy football. So then we got that interaction online, a little bit of trash talk, having some fun amongst friends. Uh, my friend has uh, one of his kids in it too. So, and my, my niece and nephew are also in it. They're all about the same age between nine and 12. So it's, it's some good times. We all get to interact with the kids, teach them how it's done. A lot of fun. But online socialization, you know, you could even do like Zoom stuff with like cousins across the country or friends that maybe you're at when you're on vacation. There's all that stuff. But I, I tend to look at that as more of real in-person stuff and supplemented by some 
online stuff. Either way, it's a good place to start. Uh, another practical solution is establish, establishing a homeschool network. And this might be new to some people, but there are some uh, co-ops out there, stuff like that, like collective learnings. Uh, to connect with other homeschooling families for group learning experience and social interactions. There's also shared experiences that you could look for that uh, are educational and social experiences to broaden perspectives and foster a sense of belonging. You can find that in a lot of different places. You just kind of, you got to look for them. You know, those are like summer camps. Those are, you know, space camp. We're looking at space camp over the summer, and I think it's in Alabama because one of my sons, is, my second oldest, is thinking about becoming an astronaut. At least that's what he wants to do. So we're going to dive in head first. Ten out of ten parent parental sport, uh, but we're considering that. Um, yeah, stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, we are involved in a homeschool co-op in the Cleveland area called Archers. It's through Grace Church, and they offer. Uh, some curriculum, and the kids get to choose, just like you kind of do in high school in the United States or in college as well. And it's group learning, and that the parents actually teach the classes. And you just select your load, uh, course load, and go do it. So it's whatever the parents might have some experience in, and you just offer that to everyone else. But it's, they, they have a, it's, it's, they do a lot of, I don't know. We, we, uh, to get admitted, we had to do like a background check. We had to do this. We had to do that. We have to have a skill that, you know, whatever. We're not actually taking the classes. They do father daughter dances and like other cool stuff like that. And that's why we got involved because our kids weren't interested in the classes this year. But, you know, in the future, we will be doing something like that. And I'm sure they have some of that stuff in your city too. Uh, if they don't, one of the cool things out there is like the Sudbury schools and similar schools to that. These, that's where kids are in charge of their education. They're like unschooled, essentially. And the school itself is ruled democratically by the children. And I think this is a great option if you can't actually do the unschooling on your own. So this would be to the, the single parents out there who want to send their kids, who want to unschool their kids but can't. Something like that might really fit. Um, that was actually a, a listener... His name's Brian. Shout out to Brian. <laughs> who asked, how uh, how can a single parent do this who needs to be at work all day? This would be a great way to do it, is sending them to one of these uh, self-directed education, democratic schools. And, and the kids not only learn how to, uh, like what they're interested in, you know, the self-directed learning thing, but they also learn how to function in, demo in a democracy. And they learn that, you know, as long as we can go over and voice what we want, and then we can all vote on it, you know, we can all get along and come to some conclusions and stuff. And I think that's a great thing to build. If I were to send my kids to a quote unquote school, it would, it would probably be something similar to that. Moving on. Uh, I said the best for last. <laughs> Practical uh, application of socialization is, yep, you guessed it, real world experience. You could just literally let them interact with the world on a regular basis and become a functional member of society. 
these types of diverse interactions in public spaces like museums, markets, uh, workplaces, give a ton of exposure to how to socialize in the real world. And I think that's great. It also gives them exposure. Well, you can expose them to different professions by doing this. You can have them intern or do, you know, something like that with real professionals, you know, shadow, that kind of stuff in various fields to understand career paths and uh, the roles that we fill in society as people. And I think that's a great way to do it. Now, for the younger children, you're going to probably send them to summer camps and uh, maybe go off and do a summer camps are real world, though. But if it's centered around something real world, it could work. But maybe go on a summer vacation or just a vacation in general. We're not limited to summer as uh, unschoolers or home educators. <laughs> uh, just get them out there interacting with the world. Take them grocery shopping. Have them, in, have them interact with the cashier. Have them ask questions to people around them if they have a question, you know? Saying hi to people, walking down the street, you get, you know, we're walking our dog. We've met our entire block because of our dog, Tootsie Roll. Uh, Tootsie Roll is pretty famous right now. And we've met a whole bunch of people and the kids interact with the adults and vice versa. And it's a really healthy interaction. So our kids are out there doing their thing, playing on the block. I think that's another way to just get healthy social interaction. And we live in the city, so it's city blocks. So you know, we limit them to our city block, but, uh, you know, go over and play in the kid's backyard with whoever the other kid is and their variety of ages. And that's pretty cool. So in conclusion, I think this is, we're focused as home educators. We're focused on holistic social growth, right? Not just the artificial interactions that they would get at school with everyone in the same age, right? Where it's super controlled. We can get a more comprehensive development by offering uh, a, a diverse landscape for socialization. And I think it's just better for the development personally. Uh, you do miss out on the whole culture of school, which is often, at least in the United States, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, to put on a pedestal, you know, they make movies about it. There's just the rite of passage kind of stuff. And, you know, there's part of me that wants my kids to have that, but at the same time, can I have both, you know, are there ways to make the rites of passage like father, daughter dance and, you know, these types of things that we, we tend to, you know, prom, I think they could still do all this stuff and not have to go through all the suffering. Again, I'm not trying to shelter my kids because in no way do I want to not uh, like protect my children all the way up until the day I release them out of the house. I actually want to expose them and walk with them as a guide. So I'm not social, socially restricting them. I want to expose them to the real world as it is and be able to explain to them exactly what they're seeing. And then they can be better prepared to interact with that, with the world as it is. 
as opposed to maybe sending them to school and then what, depending on what the teacher believes, you know, creating this um, artificial reality that sometimes we see teachers push, uh, you know, really just trying to, where a teacher might have an agenda and tell your kids, this is normal. This is a normal social interaction with someone. And it's like, actually, that's not normal. And we need, still need to learn how to work with everyone, but we do not, we don't believe that's a normal way to go about it. Uh, but you, So we can walk with our kids through those difficult challenges to socialize and and show them how to love everyone because that's what we try and do we believe every every life is valuable every human life is valuable and we need to treat them like they want to be treated and but, but do it in a do it in a way where we still have boundaries around uh where we need to set boundaries you know, and teach it, you have to walk with that. It just doesn't happen overnight. And you can't just release them into the wild and expect great results. So we're going to do that early. Early is, earlier is better than later. And uh, hopefully they continue to have us as that guide. And we're also trying to avoid rebellion in that sense. Because if you shelter your kid and you try and control their environment, they tend to rebel. Um, I could talk way more about that. So I rebelled a little bit, but I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to... Uh, Avoid that major rebellion because you do have to have your children separate from you. But anyways, topic for another day. We do need to prepare our kids for the future. Uh, so a tailored, approach, a tailored approach to what your kid might require. You as the parent can decide what that might be and let them choose on where they want to go. But, uh, you know, you encourage them along the way to give them that well-rounded, socially adept, uh, socially adept skills that they're going to need to navigate. And I think that's just going to, boy, oh boy, it's going to prepare them for the future. I was always the mature one because I was homeschooled. And tell you what, when you're mature amongst your peers, you tend to get the opportunities because you can handle it. And I could go on about pushing adolescence further and further and further, but Kids can handle more than you think they can. You just got to give them the opportunity to do it. We're not trying to put more pressure than they can handle again. They choose where they want to go. We try and encourage them into places we think are valuable and support them where they go. So we think we have a pretty good strategy. Um, and it's working for now. We're always updating and I'm sure you guys have some ideas. And if you do have some ideas, send them over to me. Uh, I'd love to do an updated episode if there's some uh, unique stuff that's... Uh, unschooledunleashed.gmail.com. And with that, I will end the episode. So stay curious, stay unschooled, and stay away from the algebra nightmares. I'll catch you in the next episode. Parents, are you terrified your unschooled child isn't learning enough? Or are you a homeschooling veteran eager to level up by incorporating in unschooling principles? Maybe you're newly venturing into homeschooling and already doubting your decision. Whatever the stage, overwhelm is real, but it doesn't have to be. I'm Matthew Jarecki from Unschooled Unleashed, and I've got huge news. I'm thrilled to introduce Homeschool Rescue, Unschooled Unleashed's signature coaching 
package. Whether you're all in on unschooling or just dipping a toe, this tailored coaching package is your roadmap to a confident and thriving education no matter how hectic life gets. Bold moves make bright futures. Join our homeschool rescue coaching program through the link in the description and set your child's genius free. So here's where we roll up our sleeves and bring out the big guns. If you support our mission, then please leave a review. On Unschooled Unleashed, we are talking about using a radical approach to education in today's world, and the more five-star reviews we have, the more people will feel comfortable with the ideas, strategies, and principles we discuss. It gives legitimacy to our message, and the podcast's algorithm prioritizes us so we can reach more people. You may even have your five-star review read on our podcast. Before I let you go, I have to pause and say this from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Your presence here is the fuel that ignites this movement. I am incredibly moved that you trust in us enough to click play. You, my friends, are the caped heroes in this story, the guardians of your family's learning journey, and a beacon of hope for your community. Be bold. Do what you think is best for you and your family. Thanks again for tuning in and taking this courageously outside of the box for this educational revolution. Welcome to the front line.